Welcome back to another untitled movie review. No, it's not a review. It's God, you can tell it's uh, you know what? We're keeping it all how, in. Hey, how late did we stay up last night? Um, welcome back to another untitled movie podcast, our 90th draft. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. 90th. 90th, Matt. 90th. Uh... 90th for the 93rd Academy Awards. I wish it was 93 for 93. I feel like that would have been some poetic. But you know what, though? Uh, that would have sunk up too well like last night's award show trying to create the narrative that wasn't there obviously especially oh, in the last boy. 10 minutes of the show which we will get into but uh i know you mentioned that you're you're you know you're tired and you know, as you can tell with my intro yes. i'm like <laughs> but no, how I'm are you okay. i'm okay dude like um I uh, obviously, yes, today we are talking about our reactions to the uh, 93rd Academy Awards that aired last night on ABC. Um, I'm feeling I'm all right. You know, I went to bed pretty late, like uh, after the the show, which ended around, you know, 1130. I think it ended last night. Um, uh, I was still pretty wired from everything. So I um, wired, if you will. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I went upstairs and I just kind of, I was like, just couldn't sleep until like, you know, two, two thirty AM and just was on like TikTok for some reason. It's like, hard to shut bed. off after something like um, that, like something that you just kind of like, even if you don't necessarily love the outcome or how everything kind of played out by, you know, the, the three hour mark, but it, it, like you want to shut down and go to bed, but it's almost impossible. Uh, you know, it's yeah. How about you? I, I was in a similar situation where, like, I was, you know, like I wanted to try to go to bed like right afterwards, and then like I kept getting lured back online, and like I tweeted throughout the the entire night or retweeted Same, stuff, yeah. and like this was like the first time that I like actively did something during a live event, and I right. found it really. I got to give credit to people that do that kind of stuff on, on, you know, a, a sort of a, a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis that cover, you know, events, whether they be televised or, you know, do stuff that's online because it's, it is tricky to kind of like focus on both things at once or try to find interesting stuff to curate as you're going along. Um, so much so that you kind of feel like you are not paying attention to what you're actually watching and that you're more concerned about trying what- to find a funny tweet to send out or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, so, I feel you. I but mean, at for the same time, I think I put it all in marketing. there because yeah. we didn't, we haven't really covered any of the awards stuff that much oh, this for year sure. at all. So yeah, no, I'm with you. Like I, I watched a few of the award shows. Like I watched the globes and like begrudgingly and, and, you know, I, I put on an award show here and there and some are better than others. And, um, but I was genuinely, I mean, we, we talked about it in the 89th draft of how, what we thought was going to happen and kind of what our expectations were for the event. So just to like jump right into it. Yeah. Like it was, it was an interesting show like i liked the vibe of it for the most part like obviously we kind of uh on our preview show talked about that soderbergh was producing it um he was shooting it in widescreen at at, at, like cinemascope wide in in 24 frames per second and it was supposed to have like a movie vibe to it and i i really i think that was a little like I, I understand what he was saying, but as you saw the show, I was like, it, this just feels like an award show, but he's shooting it in, in, in 24 frames a second and widescreen. Like it didn't feel 
quote unquote cinematic or anything to me. Like I like. I mean, it still had of some it. of his touches, like in terms of totally. the aesthetic, and like there was the uh, bird's eye view shot of the actual sort of um, sort of main theater of of Union yeah. Station in L.A. that looked like something out of a Soderbergh movie. Totally, and I think like he did a a pretty solid job. Like I liked the look of it, but in the end, I just felt like it felt like a pared down Oscars with a smaller crowd. Like it wasn't as groundbreaking as like, Oh, this award show will feel like something we haven't seen before. Like I like the intro with, you know, uh, Regina King coming out and, and the credits and, and stuff like that and the music. And I'm like, Oh, this kind of has a fun vibe to it. Like I like that. It, you know, you got the black bars. It looks, you know, wide it's, it's filmic in a sense, but then as it kind of went on, you're like, Oh, this is still like a, a live award show. And like, and, uh, they really took the, um, the stance of going, okay, we're going to make it feel intimate and personal this year. And they really drilled that home by, you know, giving anecdotes for all of the, you know, nominees, um, which we can talk about that in a sec, um, as well as never playing people off stage, really. Like they said, you have one designated speaker for your speech, essentially, and that person can go uh, basically as long as they they want within reason. Um, but the the speeches were extended this year, it felt like. It felt personal. It felt like, okay, we're going to really focus on the people and bringing everyone together. Um and I think there's some pros and cons to that. And then, and then the incredibly bizarre choice of, um, of switching up, you know, best picture going third from last and then having ending on best actor, which, which backfired in their faces. So, oh, yeah. um, we'll talk about <laughs> all of that, but, uh, Erica first, just to kick it off, what were your thoughts in general about the show last night? Well, I think you kind of nailed it. I think it had a strong start or promising start, a promising young woman start um, in terms of both uh, the first nomination being uh, Emerald Fennell winning for uh, original screenplay. But I also, like you said, I, I really liked sort of the the single take tracking shot of Regina King walking in to Union Station with the credits and it had you know, an oceans feel to it. Um, and I also think that she was the best presenter and also the perfect person to kind of start the, the night to kick and, it off. And yeah. the way that she brought up the antidotes and sort of talked about like those little trivia tidbits, I think felt more personal and authentic than some other presenters. Um, it, it felt a little bit more personable than say, you know, Renee Zellweger or someone like that yeah, kind of, yeah. kind of doing it, um, or, or Brad Pitt or it, like, um, so like, it kind of felt like that first 20 minutes or so when she, um, presented both original and adapted screenplay, it was like, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm really digging this, this, as you mentioned, like an intimate vibe. It almost looked like a scene out of Goodfellas where they're at the Copacabana kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah, Like hanging out there. Like I was almost thinking like Soderbergh was going to do like almost like almost closer to like SAG or something like that. That's where, what I thought too with the tables. I'm like, yeah. oh, I thought they were going to have cocktails and like it would be like kind of laid back. And it was laid back. But like I did feel like the tables looked cool, but then felt weird when everyone was just sitting at them like they didn't have dinner or they didn't have drinks or anything and i get it's the oscars they never usually have that stuff that's more of a globes thing or like you said a sag or or something like that but like 
it's a it was a weird year give them drinks get everyone liquored yeah. up well like, apparently I, covid I only attacks people during commercials so like that was yeah, the other that's thing also where, weird yeah where, but where someone like francis mcdormand for the most for, for most of the night anyways wore until she accepted a mask award, yeah. yeah um but yeah and, and as the night progressed it seemed to predictably follow a, a pattern that we've seen many times before when it comes to award shows you know the it goes long um even though you has have a designated presenter and i appreciate that everybody had a chance to talk you had some really emotional uh, acceptance speeches from people like thomas vinterberg for another yeah, round yeah. which i think was you needed to give him time to explain the process of what that movie became versus what it was supposed to be. Um, and that was really beautiful. I think that again, like there were some moments that were very much appreciated in terms of letting people have that freedom to, to talk, especially given the last year has been so strange. Um, but narratively speaking, you can tell that Soderbergh, again, is thinking as, as a filmmaker and that the outcome is already predetermined. So, or they knew uh, what the win was going to be and they were like, okay, let's, let's, let's just completely get out of this as soon as Joaquin Phoenix is done. Because, you know, like people online are comparing this to the end of The Sopranos where, you know, it, it cuts to it black cuts abruptly. To black. <laughs> um, but I would say David Chase knew what he was doing and that was structured around kind of this great moment that would get people talking this has gotten people talking but in the wrong way so what we're obviously referring to is that you know you're building up uh the best actor uh reveal and you go with picture uh actress and then actor and yeah, so you go be- you go best picture before the main acting awards which never happens like you usually all i mean for, for picture is always usually yeah. the last yeah uh, uh nomination to be announced and because so- it just makes sense everything's building to that it's what the best film of the year is all the other awards are from these films like it only makes sense to end on best picture anyways keep going yeah and and so you know nomadland won uh francis mcdormand then took uh best actress as well so so she is now a four-time academy award winner but there was also the two categories that were the most kind of like interesting in terms of like oh anything could happen this year were supporting actress and best actress um supporting actress went to yun jun yun for minari and and i mean she did win um, the SAG award and, and BAFTA uh, and it was kind of going in her favor, but there was still this kind of like thought of, okay, well, Glenn Close could win, you know, uh, this Oscar because she's been nominated eight times now, never won a competitive award. Um, she did debut uh, after losing. She was debut of the joke, <laughs> which, yeah, which was very cringy uh, in terms of uh, uh, a bit, um, but we can talk about that later. And then and then Be- Best Actress was interesting as well, because a lot of people were thinking, including myself, who I, I think you actually beat me during uh, for the the uh, by one. I by, think. Well, yeah. no, I-, I got 16. So, oh, I got 19. What yeah. else did I beat you on? Then? I think you I you beat me on. Uh, you picked Mank for production design. Yeah. On and I went and them, I went right? with the father. Yeah. Um, but the father obviously did much better than everybody was thinking. Yeah. But but with Best Actress, everybody was thinking, okay, well, there's now this narrative that Viola Davis, you know, could win uh, after winning the SAG, and that you know, since Halle Berry, which was 19 years ago, a woman of color has hasn't won since. 
And so this would kind of be a big deal. You know, uh, Andre Day as well for the United States versus uh, Billie Holiday. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, this is they're building to this, you know, best actor and actress moment. This is going to be like a historical achievement. Francis McDormand wins. And then, you know, uh, after that, it's like, okay, well, you know, Chadwick Boseman pretty much has this in the bag because he's won everything else other than the BAFTA. Um, Cause Anthony Hopkins won the BAFTA for, for, for best actor. And, you know, it, it's a very good performance, but you know, some people were like possibly the win coincides with the posthumous sort of status. And then Joaquin Phoenix comes onto the stage and, you know, goes through the, the, the five nominees and then as and, he does, <laughs> you know, the, the two people that aren't there obviously are, are Chadwick Boseman and, uh, Sir Anthony Hawkins, who's in in Wales right now, and uh, so you know you have two stock photos and three actors sound asleep, <laughs> sound asleep, um, enjoying his life, which I got to appreciate. You know, good as for well. him, yeah. Um, so you have two stock photos versus three people who are present uh, in in uh, Gary Oldman being in England as well, so he was there via satellite, um, and then Sir Anthony Hawkins wins for the father. There's this weird moment of, well, he's not here, so they're going to accept on his behalf, and the show is over, and And the moment that they were expecting, or weren't expecting, because again, they could have gone two ways here, where maybe they did know ahead of time, where they're like, okay, we'll plan this so we can get the hell out of here, or... They couldn't have known, there's no way. We think that this is... Again, this is this is... They would have rearranged it if they knew. Right. And this this is Soderbergh probably thinking as a filmmaker and even the producers thinking as, as filmmakers where it's like, we'll structure this whole thing around this, you know, this bittersweet moment at the end. And it'll be really kind of like a powerful punch. And, and people will remember this moment because, you know, we, we, we stopped to recognize an actor whose life was cut short and then (laughs) it didn't turn out that way. And it looks basically like they have egg on their face for, for doing it that way. And yeah. And it's, it's so, it's so unfortunate too, because I think it takes away a great moment for Chloe Zhao and the whole nomad land team too. It takes away, uh, I mean, it put a lot of pressure and spotlight even more so on Chadwick Boseman and his, his widow who was at the event. And like, I just feel like, they put everyone in a shitty kind of position by kind of banking on him winning. And I think, don't get me wrong, I think Anthony Hopkins delivered probably the best performance of the year. Um, so I don't think it's taking away from anything by, you know, him winning. No, but it winning, puts him in a bad position too. Yes, and then it also takes away from, you know, his win as well. Like the oldest Oscar winner ever for for best actor. Like one of the best performances, if not the best performance of his career. Um, and he's obviously a, an older man in the middle of a pandemic who didn't want to go to a satellite location in London sitting in a movie theater to like accept an award at you know middle of the night kind of thing if he if he possibly would have won so like yeah, I, not totally, Gary Oldman. Come on. I, I totally understand him going like i'm i'm not attending sorry yeah um 
So, and then for the producers, whether it's Soderbergh or the whole team or whoever, by going like, okay, I have a really great idea. Why don't we put best picture like third from last and do the acting awards last? Cause we could end on this great moment of, you know, Chadwick Boseman, like honoring him and his legacy and, and everything ending on this really touching kind of thing. Um, and then it ends up going to a guy who, uh, you know, isn't, isn't even there. One of like a couple people in the, in the evening that actually wasn't there and it was such a weird spot to end it and it reminds me of the la la land moonlight thing where that's all people like look at that's all we're talking about you know 15 minutes into this of like this blunder or what feels like a blunder because you have this award show three hours long you're building up and usually the last award is this big celebratory moment of you know, whatever movie wins best picture, it's the biggest either surprise of the night or yes, Nomadland won like everyone thought, but you know, uh, Chloe Zhao winning best director and that movie just winning, it would have been a, a great moment to end on. And I feel like if Chadwick would have won, it still would have been meaningful if it was the second to last award. Like, I don't think that would have also taken away from, you know, whatever won best picture, whether it was Nomadland or Trial of the Chicago 7 or Promising Young Woman or whatever. Um, so it was just a weird choice. And I definitely think that it's never going to happen again. No, <laughs> because, no, definitely not. Because like it totally backfired in their faces. And I think it really does show that they had no idea who was going to win because if they did know that Anthony Hopkins was going to win and he wasn't going to be there, they would have put the acting awards at the fucking beginning or something. But usually they're always like the second to last to best picture, which is, I, I, it, it should have just stayed that way. Like I, I, I in, even in my head as a producer, I, I don't think that it would have taken away if Chadwick Boseman would have won being like, Oh, well we still have more of the show to go after this. How could we keep going kind of thing? So like, I, it just, it's a weird structural thing that happened. And I think the pacing of the show was, you know, fairly consistent throughout, but that was the one curveball when best, picture came out and we're like wait they haven't done the acting awards and then you start going like i tweeted it being like oh it's because they want to end on a bozeman win and then i saw other people being like this is gonna be really awkward if you know anthony hopkins who's not even there like wins best actor and then it happens right and um you know obviously a huge like British contingent in the Academy. So like you, like you mentioned earlier, he won the BAFTA and and that was pretty much it. But obviously that was a huge part of it. And, and again, a great performance. Um, But now I feel like the whole show is kind of like, there's, there's this weird cloud, just like the moonlight La La Land thing. And now years removed from that, we can all kind of go, okay, yeah, moonlight is a fantastic movie. La La Land's a great movie. Moonlight will uh, like, withstand the the test of time and people will remember that it won best picture it's just a a wild way of getting there where for this it's like it, it was just a weird way where i feel like it kind of takes the spotlight away from from nomadland and the deserving win from you know mcdormand and Zhao and and best picture like it, it it picked up some really really big great awards and um and it's just it was just such a weird choice dude yeah, and I mean, I also think another weird choice was to ha- have the Little Ryle Howery uh, bit. Yeah, debut thing. Like- almost like at the 
end of the show where it kind of felt like where okay, they hadn't done anything like that no, for no. the whole show. And the idea was like, okay, well, we're we're they're overtime at this point, and like even Soderbergh was tweeting this, where like you know they're 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 running way over time. So why not have a bit to extend it even longer? And I within the bit, I didn't mind his sort of playoff of Daniel Kaluuya because again, both of them being in both Judas and the black Messiah and get out, there was this camaraderie between the two that felt genuine. And it was kind of fun seeing them riff off of each other and talk about get out. Um, and also even just, you know, like Stanfield being nominated that night as well. But then with the, like the Glenn Close stuff, it's like, it's just so cringy and it's so awkward. And you're just kind of like, really, this is what you're going to, you know, extend, uh, time for or, or or go even further beyond lead right into best picture yeah like, <laughs> like yeah like this should have been done like you know halfway through the show or like in the first hour you know not not near you know like the, the final three awards and it just kind of felt like again like it came out of nowhere and it was almost like you use that if you're if you're you know um, under time, under time. <laughs> not not like guys, we, guys, we're running way over time. Let's throw. We're in a supposed bit. to wrap this up. That's what I mean. I tweeted the same thing of being like, um, okay, guys, we have 15 minutes until we're supposed to wrap this shit up. Should we cut the Glenn Close debut bit? No. And everyone's like, no, we have to. We have to run it. <laughs> like, uh, like it does. That's another weird choice, and that just felt totally out of place because it's not like. To your point, once an hour, they had like a bit or something, right? Because they didn't have a host. So I thought Lil, Lil Rel Howery like did really well in the pre-show. He was one of the only interviewers that I kind of um, didn't mind listening to. Like I thought he felt very natural and just kind of chill about the whole thing of being like, holy fuck, we're at the Oscars. How how you doing, basically? And like uh, I thought that was kind of uh, – fun or he he seemed he, like you put it well when we were texting each other he made people feel comfortable and just natural like it didn't feel like a totally there were some awkward moments like there aren't any interviews but like for the most part he was pretty good um but that being said like if you wanted to have these like comedy bits or whatever you were trying to do with this like you should have had a few of them throughout the show so it didn't feel intimate and personal and, and and then you randomly throw in this music bit with with Questlove and, and and people guessing if a song was nominated or not, and then you have like Andre Day kind of like and good for her, but like shitting on the Academy, being like it probably wasn't even nominated to, and they're like you were absolutely correct, and like it just felt really weird, like it just felt really weird, and then you get to you, him and Kaluuya, like you said, it's kind of fun. Cause they have a camaraderie obviously from get out and you could tell they were just kind of riffing on each other at the beginning. Georgie, come on, dude. Georgie yeah. wants to chime in. Georgie, what'd you think? Um, so just runs and jumps onto my desk. Um, and then you get to the Glenn close thing, which is so obviously like set up. Right. And like, uh, it just, like you said, it was just like, Oh my God, why are they doing this? And it's like, it's like 1045. We got like, we haven't even seen the major awards yet. And then they come out with best picture, what it felt like right after that commercial break. And it was just like, what the hell is happening right now? And, um, yeah, it was just, again, a weird year, a chaotic Oscars. I mean, it, it played out like obviously, uh, with even with our predictions, like there were the few surprises, you know, cinematography was a surprise, uh, 
I mean, best actress was a toss up, I think between, you know, a bunch of people, I, f- I feel like any of the nominees could have won in, in best actress. So, um, as well as, uh, what were some of the Except other for Vanessa Kirby? <laughs> yeah that was the running joke with that where it's like anybody could win except vanessa kirby because everybody had won something leading up uh in the other sort of uh awards ceremonies and and guilds and things like that um yeah i would say cinematography was um probably one of the biggest surprises of the night in terms of mank beating nomadland where it was like i was thinking to myself there probably are i mean it is the cinematographers specifically that are voting for it, but I do wonder how many people thought that that was shot on film, you know, or, or couldn't tell the difference because like, I don't understand how Eric Messerschmidt, I guess be, maybe because he's better known in the cinematography community because he was a assistant uh, to David Fincher before dire- uh, becoming the DOP on this. Um, then Joshua James Richards for, um, Nomadland, who's kind of more of an outsider, um, and I guess that kind of thematically makes sense because Nomad's Land's about outsiders. So, um, but I mean, like you look at those two movies, and you're like, it's it's night and day in terms of like what film really brings a strong sort of recollection of what you'll remember from the movie, visually speaking. Yeah, it's yeah. in black and white, and there are like you know faux cigarette burns in Mank, and I like Mank, but like Nomadland is like here like and, top and, tier yeah. gorgeous where mank sure from a technical perspective is kind of interesting because it's in black and white but like it did look very digital i i think that was one of my big issues and even you who liked the movie kind of said the same yeah, thing there's no passion um, behind that film and like again it won two awards which a lot of people were thinking mank was going to be the shutout for netflix but no 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 it was the trial of the chicago you love seven to hear it you love to zero see it. out of six wins take that aaron sorkin um, but yeah, going back, like the cinematography thing was interesting as well, because like I was thinking, okay, if there is going to be an upset, it might be for Darius Wolski for News of the World or Sean Bobbitt for Judas and the Black Messiah, because those two guys, you know, their films have been nom- other films that they have, you know, been cinematographers on have been nominated before 12 Years a Slave, The Martian, things like that. And they've never been nominated. So it almost might be like a way to sort of like say thank you for, you know, the career you have so far. But it, it cinematography in general has always been a it's very always, strange yeah. thing because it took yeah. Deacon years to win one. And then once you win one, it seems like you always win afterwards, both Emmanuel Lubinsky and Roger Deacons, you know, when they won finally did close win. After, yeah. yeah. And then they won their second. And then, you know, for Lubinsky, he won three. Um, so like it's it's a very strange category and for Eric Messerschmidt to win you know on his first go as cinematographer i mean that's that's i i, I you know all the power to him but um yeah that was the that was kind of the weird standout to me in terms of like where the night was kind of going south a little bit yeah i, I and i i messaged you because we were messaging back and forth and i said the same thing where cinematography always feels like that one where the front runner or the one that you're expecting to win doesn't always win it'll be something else random or or the thing you least expect and and mank was yeah i never even had it on my radar for cinematography just because i i guess i thought nomadland was a lock for that because it is so lush and so gorgeous and just uh, i didn't see any of that in mank where i'm just like to me it makes sense that it won those production you know design uh right like but, but even the father of- like 
yeah. in terms of how that is incorporated into the continuity of that story. I agree, but it feels more vital to to the film. Where where but Manx remember production, the more thing? Right? I know, like it's but just... Manx production design is fascinating because, like, I would say the the most interesting stuff is like Charles Dance's house in terms of just like you know like set decor and things like that, and you know a little bit of the. But I don't even think the they're probably. You got to think like the entire academy is probably not even thinking that way, right? Dude. Like, no, I know. You're pro- they're probably just thinking of like it's oh, a period piece. The, yeah, it's a, what had the most work of designing how it looked and stuff like that. And they're like, well, Manx, uh, yeah, a period piece, and they had to make it look very accurate to the time period and like and things like that. Whether like that's. Like and, and the cinematography probably goes to that because they tried to make it other than not shooting it on film <laughs> or uh, like they they shot it digitally, right? Like yeah, it, yeah, it, it's all it it's all digital. Everything other than the cinematography was like period authentic to yeah. the, the the late thirties, early forties, except for the cinematography because David Fincher it was an early adopter, but it also works to his style of shooting a hundred times takes, and not yeah. wasting you know money on film, but even if they do run it through post-production to make it look grainy or what have you, it's still shot digitally. It doesn't take that away. The, the, the fact that that's how the film was made. So it's almost like, I feel that that should be docked points automatically for, you know, like the, the film that's about the writer. And we've talked about this as well. Didn't get the, didn't get a screenplay nomination. So Jack Fincher's script didn't get nominated, but it's a movie about celebrating. But it wins cinematography. Un, unsung, you know, writer. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and, and like, okay, so the other thing that I found funny that we should talk about is, um, are the, the, the clips that they used for best picture, because for the most part, they didn't oh use Oh my clips. God, the promising young woman one is so, <laughs> the most random clip from the movie. But you know what though? Like, so was Mank. And I was yeah. watching all of these movies and I was like, okay, watching a scene where Tuppentin's, uh, uh, Middleton is pulling down Gary Oldman's pants to, to put him into bed. And they're like, okay, I get the Louis B. Mayer scene if you're going to throw that in there to kind of like punch up some action or things like that, or like, you know, the, the, the election sequence, which is visually interesting, but to have that scene and then you're just thinking to yourself, okay, well, like the, the seven other nominees in this category, I mean, like, yeah, the promising young woman scene is weird, but that I mean, was just, there's so much to choose from, from each of those movies that right. that just felt like the meat cute with the spit in the coffee cup. Like it's such a. Like for that to represent that movie for best picture, and that's the scene you choose. I'm just like, it doesn't make any sense. All the colors and vibrancy and exciting moments, and like, I get you don't really want to necessarily give a lot of it away, but like the the promising young woman one, and I agree with you with the Mank one that like that just the clips in general from the best picture nominees, except for, the for most part, Sound I'm of like, Metal. I will say the Sound yeah. of Metal clip was excellent, but the Sound of Metal in general is excellent. And I think that that clip between uh, both Riz Ahmed and Paul Racy, you know, their, their, their final conversation together um, was, even though we didn't get any acting clips was a perfect representation and highlight of both of those actors giving not just naturalistic performances, but everything, that is that represents that yeah. movie so beautifully. And then the other category I think as well that we should mention that that's very much sort of a, a kind of toss up in terms of like what could happen is editing. And I was wrong with editing as well. Again, going with the father for I know, editing. I, cha- I changed mine to Sound of Metal at the last Which minute. was very smart because it had been doing very well in, in the guilds and, and 
uh, previous uh, awards bodies. But um, that was one I was very happy to see win more than one Oscar because obviously Same, Sound yeah. of Metal won sound, but then also it won editing. So at least it took home uh, two awards instead of just one. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, I'm totally with you. And then like to jump on your point of the clips, I thought it was a weird choice in general. Like I, I, I understand why you go with the personal anecdotes and talking about each nominee and their love of movies or how they got into the industry or whether whatever little you know story that they attach to each award but i really feel like from a production standpoint like you they were missing you know the clips from the movies or that stylistic kind of package to because you gotta uh, something i saw online too was just like not everyone has seen these movies or even know what they are. So for you to kind of go in and and talk about actors and actors that they might not even know were in these movies or might not know. I mean, most of these actors they know, but maybe a Paul Racy they don't or and someone doesn't know about Sound of Metal for the most part. And they really only used clips from the movies on very sporadically with like certain awards, but only some here and there yeah, and i just felt like and best picture were the two yeah ones. we're the only two <laughs> and like and it just felt weird to me because i feel like for an award show that wants to kind of be more accessible to you know the general populace like that choice specifically felt like well fuck you if you didn't see the movies because like right uh, you don't really know anything about them like they didn't introduce each best picture nom like they sometimes do i think that's more of a globes thing not an oscars no thing. they do it but at like, the oscars as well yeah. they, or they have been in in recent years where like they'll have someone come out and present and do like a package yeah right? three of like say the eight or nine nominees and then depending on like how many nominations in the best picture category there are they'll divide them up between presenters to kind of do two or three um yeah, and then on top of that as well, like it it was just usually like clips are the thing that people do complain about because they do extend the time quite a bit. I um, I understand that. But I but... think I think for for the acting categories and best picture, they make sense in terms of contextualizing not only the event, but the films that are being represented of the year. And like you said, not everybody that's watching the show has necessarily seen everything or even knows what they are they're they're not thinking outside of like you know the film bubble and even people within the film bubble probably don't necessarily all know the other people's films because you know they're either working on another movie or you know they're they're you know they haven't had time to catch up for whatever reason and you know you're watching this and you're thinking like yeah it would have been really nice to see a clip with paul racy you know kind of highlighted or something like that and and that was the one thing where it was kind of missed but the the thing that with the clip show package that maybe i could have done without and, and i'm and i'm grateful that it wasn't here this this year is like ones that kind of necessarily are thrown together to be like oh let's like let's look at like you know, dance or music in the last, you know, uh, 90 years of, of cinema. And I it's don't like, necessarily need that. But yeah. for me, it's like if you're focusing on this year's crop of movies, like I like those a couple years back where, you know, really stylistic show where they would have like breaking down each category and have the nominees in a very interesting way where I remember like the screenwriting ones where they would have the type font come on the screen with the clips package or when you're talking about sound you would focus and just isolate like the certain sound editing that they would do in the movie and you're like contextualizing each award and the nominees for people watching at home and even someone who has seen pretty much every major movie that was nominated um 
it's still nice to kind of go, oh, okay, this is why this got nominated for sound. And this is why this got a production uh, value nomination where you show like whether it was the concept art and stuff like there was very nice packages in recent memory. I remember that like, yes, it extends the show. Yes, it kind of does. But I mean, they gave these long anecdotes for each like kind of person that are, do you remember a single point that anyone made? Like, Oh, what Aaron Sorkin ripped tickets at a movie theater. Like, I don't care. Sorry. Right. Like, <laughs> I, sorry, that, Sorkin. Like I, we're here to celebrate the people who are nominated and the films that they made. But I feel like you, you got to give people like a visual kind of thing to connect to. Um, well, especially to really, because it's about the movies, right? Which to is a really visual medium. It. Yeah. And like, so when you just have a, actor or actress or director just standing and talking about people i'm like i sure it felt personal it felt intimate but i feel like you could have done a little bit more production wise to make it you know flow a bit better and like i think that was my biggest thing like i I was never bored per se and i i actually like a hostless oscars that focuses you know on the awards and less like jokes or bits or, or, or things like the that running like, time even further yeah but i just feel like if you really are here to celebrate the movies then you gotta celebrate the movies it's not like just going oh uh the lucas brothers favorite movie was x y or whatever they said on these these things or like they fell in love with the movies oh uh, matt's favorite movie was jurassic park when he was growing up if i was nominated for an ask oscar and an i'd be like <laughs> Uh, I'm like, who the fuck cares what my favorite movie was? <laughs> like, I don't talk about the movie I got nominated for and show people what that is. I want people to go see it. And like, and sure, a lot of people have watched all of these, but like, I think that was another just kind of, yeah, when we're talking about clips packages and then when you do get clips, you get random ones for Mank and Promising Young Woman that I don't necessarily think would entice anyone to go watch those movies. Yeah, like, it's like, did the Academy like, watch these films when they were like putting these clipped packages together and again young woman is like an exciting thrilling fucking like uh like movie and you pick this weird like bo burnham's great in it carrie mulligan's great their relationship is is fascinating and and interesting and compelling in that movie but like that scene is how you're gonna sell people on this being a best picture nominee it doesn't make any sense to me yeah and and again i agree with you with the with the clips in terms of using them to showcase the movies i just don't like when they kind of take the random the history history because it kind of almost feels like it's not really specific to anything no i agree i agree with that um and and that's the stuff but no i i definitely agree with what you're saying where like it would have been nice to have some more context into each category to kind of show some of the visual splendor of of those specific nominations of why they're being nominated and not just again sort of at random pick sort of clips for best picture specifically that um don't represent the movie as a whole and ultimately kind of leave you a little bit baffled to why uh whoever was choosing those clips chose that scene like like going through like mank and being like you know what the scene that really stuck out to me is when his wife is taking off his pants and putting him to bed classic classic mank (laughs) i'm sure netflix is like that's what our trailer should have been like (laughs) Like, literally come on like that's what i mean you need to kind of uh, again this whole show is 
not only for you know us who are hardcore movie people like it's on abc it's on a major network like the majority of people watching last night had not seen most of those movies yeah even nomadland which was which is a disney movie i mean by you know if you want to be uh completely correct on that like it's you know like it's funny that like we got the press release this morning oh yeah (laughs) they won five awards um we got it uh but yeah and like and i think the the person or thing that benefited the most that last night was the octopus um sure so so my octopus teacher wins documentary over films like collective and time uh which are much much better movies and usually those kind of films i'm sort of i'm more for the my octopus teacher because it's this quirky little little idiosyncratic character study but both time and collective i think were so well done in terms of what they were talking about um socially and politically and it's like there's no competition it's hard to say like yes that was the best movie yeah. over and then when movies. when movies like dick johnson you know is dead, dead and, and boy Blo- state boy state or bloody nose empty yeah. pockets aren't even there it's like Come on, really? My octopus teacher, and again, yeah. my octopus teacher is a very lovely little movie yeah. that's 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 a very easy watch and very likable and and heartwarming. But it's like, come on, the nomination should have been the award for that. Like, like you know, give this to time, give this to collective, you know, like move on. Like, why? Hashtag why did just, this movie become the film that or Justice Camp. for Dick? Like those yeah. movies, like if you wanted to give it to a Netflix film, Crip Camp was way better and more interesting. And yes, it was educational, but at least it's, you know, it, what it was trying to talk aren't about. The best documentaries kind of that blending that line of, of educational and not like educational from like a teacherly sense, but I feel like every documentary is meant to, you know, teach you about something for the most part. And yeah. like, yeah. um, and I think the best stuff has a lasting impact and I'm not saying I haven't seen, uh, any of the the doc nominees because I'm a garbage human, but um, the the couple that I watched I really loved, but they didn't get nominated, right? Which were Boys State and uh, and Dick Johnson is dead, and I, I still bloody nose empty pockets. I, I've watched about half of it and weirdly haven't gone back. But um, I like docs are th- real movies. Yeah, I used to make that joke, but I, I it, they definitely are. I'm just, uh, uh, but yeah, two. I saw two fantastic documentaries last year that were in my top you know, 20 of the year um, uh, with Dick Johnson is dead and boy state and neither got nominated. And I I've heard collective is amazing. I've heard time is fantastic. I've been, I, anytime I watch, I watched the stone cold Steve Austin documentary on a and E last week, which and kind it, of perfectly dovetails like, into the commercials for oh, the yeah, Oscars. Yeah, this yeah. year With uh, the cold tide with Annie Murphy, stone cold, Steve Austin and ice tea. Yep. Yeah. Um, I wonder, uh, no offense to Ice-T, but I feel like they probably called Ice Cube first and he told them to fuck off. You know what? Like, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, no? Ice-T, like the demographic because I guess he's Law on Law and Order Law SVU. And order, right. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah. He's probably the the big get of those three. That's actually fair. I always forget because I don't really watch network TV anymore, right? Like I forgot. He's been on Law and Order forever, yeah, right? Since like the yeah. late 90s. Oh my God. Good for him. You know what? I, I take it back. Sorry, Ice-T. Um, How dare you? Uh, but I, I do find it ironic that oh, he's I, a guy that sings about, you know, like cop killers and stuff like that. And then he becomes a detective on like a procedural TV show that's made for your parents. 
Yeah, and then Tide commercials. But um, I mean, whatever you got to do to make money, you got to. Oh no, I like that Tide commercials. There is a video online that I do highly recommend you check out, Matt. Specifically, it's Ice T trying coffee for the first time, and it's him trying to find a coffee that he likes, and it's actually quite good. Okay, cool. And also the movie Trespass. Um, He's quite good in that too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, I watched the Stone Cold Steve Austin doc. Very A and E biographies are very A and E biographies, right? Like they're not necessarily great documentaries. But um, my boy Stone Cold Steve Austin got a documentary. I had to watch it. Uh, anyways, that's going off track. But um, yeah, the the my octopus teacher. I think people thought was going to win, and it ended up winning. Uh, cinematography was a surprise act. Tris, like I said, was kind of a toss up, but um, obviously Francis McDor- McDormand, very deserving. It's just I, I had Mulligan there just because I thought she uh, would take it. But uh, other than that, like it pretty much played out kind of how we expected it would, right? Like there was, you know, well, the- except for Best Actor, where that kind of was like. I think that's what I mean. That was that moment where everybody actor was the big surprise cinematography, uh, cinematography. even editing to a certain extent, because that could have been any one of those films. And then like, even just like the child of Chicago seven being, you know, Netflix is the Irishman this year, you know, like it gets nominated for multiple awards and wins nothing where like a lot of people did think that, okay, well, if it was going to win somewhere, it probably would win for original screenplay, but luckily promising young woman, uh, kicked off uh, the night and won that, and 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 thankfully it did over <laughs> Charlie Chicago Seven because I could have seen that as like the runner-up film. Um, and it just was like I was. I think that maybe was my. And again, I don't want to shit on people that like that movie because I I get it. It's it's a it's fine. I don't it's even hate to- it. I don't it either. Was, it's yeah, totally like- fine. But it's the film that you like. If it was from Warner Brothers or Paramount, Paramount where it was supposed to be, and it was it would win. It would have won Best Picture last night if it was a Paramount movie. You know, even if it was a Paramount movie that was distributed digitally, it would it still would have won last night. But because it is now a Netflix film, uh, you know, like it that's it had that going against it. But that's the movie that wins. So I feel like with Parasite and now Nomadland winning, these two movies that are kind of a little bit something generic's got to win next year something (laughs) so generic has got to win not just next year but for like the next five years because we've had too much you know we've had too many nice things happen yeah Yeah. and i mean i also did like bong joon ho's um uh intro to best director as well i thought that was very honest and like um where he's like i kind of cringe at this question but you know because i'm asking it to these nominees it's okay like i liked that as well um I thought the personal moments worked in certain situations. Like in Best Director, that makes sense to me to have something like that. But I feel like in the acting categories or in some of the technical awards where you're trying to show like, like how do you do visual effects? But then I'm sure there's 95% of the people now that it's on Netflix, probably a different thing, but it still have no idea what Love and Monsters is. (laughs) Well, even then, like, like it still probably got buried underneath like whatever you know new comedy is out there from it was it was the number one film on netflix for like at least a week which i i was kind of happy to see but i mean so Um, was thunder force for yeah that's true (laughs) so that's not like a a high bar but like that that's kind of what i mean like a personal anecdote from you know uh the last year's best director winner to this year's nominees i think makes sense and i don't think because those movies most of them 
you would have seen either in foreign film or in best picture. And that's usually the case with best director. Like if you get a best director nomination, you're probably showing up somewhere else. Usually that's not every time, but um, so I feel like with that, you don't have to show a clips package necessarily because it's hard to show what a director necessarily does either. Well, they, they did have behind the scenes footage of them yeah. working on set and sort of while they kind of, yeah, yeah B roll and, and voiceover for Bong Joon Ho and, and his interpreter. So, like, you know, it, that again, added oh, they some, did. I forgot about that. Yeah, that at added least they some did context, have some visuals, right? Yeah. So, um, but, but, and again, it was also nice because like I, you had a, another filmmaker doing this and 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 not just an actor i mean you could have an actor that's also a director but i think when you have a director who also has personality you know um it it, it helps and bong joon ho is a guy that is very sort of um creative and and idiosyncratic himself and and can you know do a really really lovely intro and 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 nod to each of uh the nominees in that category so it, again like to your point it feels very genuine and real if you were to hire you know get somebody that's like you know an up-and-coming star to introduce best director and they were to do all that stuff it would kind of feel like if zendaya uh did that it would kind of be like oh, i don't know like that kind of feels a little weird um but then also that you get some stuff that kind of is funny because it uh, plays into who the person is like i actually thought harrison ford introducing editing was funny because one he's reading off you know the blade runner blade stuff runner but also stuff, he's yeah. playing into like cranky old harrison ford and then i think like just adding that cutaway of Chloe Zhao reacting to her listening him to him say her, her name which was, yeah, was, yeah. was very charming and i think Chloe Zhao is just like again you know we, we talked about it like the night being soiled but like just to think about her winning those two awards for picture she's and the directing. best dude yeah, yeah she's the best like yeah. i i love how laid back she is and she she really doesn't feel super hollywood even though she's directing you know a fucking marvel movie <laughs> coming up this year like she just feels like showing up in sneakers at, like ha- having her purse on her like she is not just talking about her wardrobe but just her mentality and like everything she says like i, I retweeted again that that quote from a vanity fair article that i just really connected with when i read um uh, a profile on her that she just feels like you know someone who just really loves doing this but doesn't take it too seriously or doesn't kind of fall into the you know um masturbatory kind of hollywood like we're the best like or we're saviors or or kind of thing of like yeah she's very appreciative and and obviously you know still cares when harrison ford says her name um and things like that because she's a fan of movies as well which is why she's doing this right but like i just love how chill and laid back she is and just kind of like humble and um i just think that she's the best and like um disney fucked up by not dropping that eternal trailer last night but i mean with shang chi last week i, I doubt they were going to do that they're probably waiting for loki or black yeah Widow, and they also still. dropped that uh i mean not disney but you know that matthew West mcconaughey no i was oh, gonna say okay. matthew mcconaughey back to the theaters thing which it was okay. oh yeah I so heard watching that, that i, I, I had my it. glasses off he was at, that, at a Alamo draft house. Right? Yeah, I, I had my glasses off and I was like, is that Matthew McConaughey? I was like, no, nah, that's not Matthew McConaughey. And then I put my glasses on. He's like, holy fuck, that is Matthew was McConaughey. Was it during the show or the pre-show or what? I, I think it was the pre-show. I think it was like, or just as the show was beginning. Um, but it was <laughs> it was funny when we saw this clip package being, I almost wish Matthew, Matthew McConaughey was at the Oscars because he would probably be a really good pick to do like 
those tidbits just to hear him in that southern drawl. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, and they'd all sound way more serious or intense than they probably need to. But, but yeah, yeah, I we're heard... going back to the movies. Well, Vin Diesel as well, right? Like, there was that. Well, he should F9 have introduced one. the father, yeah. the father. <laughs> Oh God! Um, yeah, like I'm surprised. Only Francis McDormand was the only one who, like, you know, talked about how we need to go back to movie theaters and and, and things like that. Like someone else brought that up online as well. Uh, yeah, that, I like, think it was Barry Hertz, like, and then and yeah. then also, um, like I I loved her speeches as well in terms of like she like Chloe Zhao is is all about the work and wanting to do her best but not taking all the rest of this stuff too seriously and like for people mocking her about like you know you know the howling like a wolf well that was a tribute to you know one of their sound guys that that tragically passed away uh late last year so like even that is dormant also the best oh yeah uh, Yeah. she like i keep saying she's my meryl streep and now she has more oscars than meryl streep so (laughs) fuck you meryl streep (laughs) no no i'm sure meryl streep's a very very nice person it's just the the thing the 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 narrative around her the the people around her that are they're you know a kiss ass. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But um, yeah, Francis McDormand, the best. Uh, I kind of love even her second speech too, just being very short and sweet and um, uh, almost doing the, the Joe Pesci thing of just like, thank you. And then just walking away after winning. And like, uh, I mean, I even like Daniel Kaluuya as well. Yeah. Oh, like his he, was great. He was yeah. just having a good time, you know, like, Oh yeah. Didn't take himself and, uh, too seriously. Yeah. A great way to start the night with him too, talking about his parents boning and like, just, uh, <laughs> um, that shot of his just, mom uh, being like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. It's the best. Uh, there, uh, you, you already mentioned it, but Thomas Vinterberg's speech, I thought, um, was the most personal of the night. And I had no idea that happened either. I don't know. Maybe we talked about it when we were watching it at, at TIFF. But, yeah, we, we we did a little bit. Yeah, and his daughter, Ida, um, you know, was supposed to be – it was supposed to be a father-daughter story originally and how that kind of changed after, you know, this horrible car accident that took her life. So um, the movie being made at all, uh, you know, is one thing and, and – to what it has become is, is another. Now um, it probably was my second favorite of, of those films next yeah. to Cuvatus uh, Ada, which I, again, you watch that clip and you're like, holy shit. I if watched gonna- the trailer. Cause if, if I don't know if we talked about it on a show, because I think it happened after we recorded, but um the director of of that movie is directing some of the last of us season one so uh which is intense and wild and then also the the director of uh border the uh the troll fucking movie uh is directing an episode as well so it's like this 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 show really has my attention now i love it i love that um you know that you even are like, holy shit, like, I, I can't wait to see this because of the people involved. And I'm wondering, it'll probably be what, like eight episodes, 10 episodes max, probably that first season. So I'm assuming Cross maybe Cross fingers each- for Michael Haneke. Yeah, I wonder if they'll add any if they're all directing one episode or two episodes or 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 how they're going to be splitting it up is going to be interesting. But um super pumped <clears throat> for that. And then yeah, to see um, you know, a couple Academy award nominees get added to that because the uh the main director of the pilot is uh director of beanpole beanpole so did border get a nomination as well for international feature no makeup no you're right makeup that's what it was yeah yeah that makes sense um 
trying to think if any other speeches uh, stood out last night. Um, anything we're missing from Yoon Jun Yoon was 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 very was lovely, charming yeah, and funny, like, and the Brad Pitt yeah. line was was good. But it also kind of shows you again an executive producer, even though you know Plan B kind of helped sort of finance and coordinate the film doesn't necessarily mean Brad Pitt's going to show up to set anytime and, and be there and, and what have you. So, uh, you know, executive producers are, you know, executive producers. Yeah, no, uh, overall I, I like, I enjoyed myself and, um, like I always usually do with the Oscars. Like I'm, I'm never one to like, I don't think it was a disaster or anything. I still think the blunder with, moonlight and la la land is bigger than this blunder um and more shocking (laughs) like i remember but i had a similar reaction last night that i did when that happened where i was like yelling at my tv going no no i think that one was more incompetence than anything else where it's like you can't you can't blame anything other than the people that were in charge where with this like it was still bad but i almost feel like sort of the default setting here is like okay well this was a weird year so let's just chalk this up into that category of like okay things didn't go as planned obviously um but i mean that was all of 2020 and 20 early 2021 so it's kind of representative of the year where where the moonlight la la land thing is is a perfect you know comparison and an example but i almost feel that that's a, still worse just because everything was fully operational and functioning and like you had like everything was supposed to run smoothly that year like there there were no you know, there was no room for error. There was no room. There was nothing going on outside of the award show. So that to me is almost like still the biggest screw up, I think, in, oh, I in, think in so Oscar too. history. Yeah. Where this last night just it, – it wasn't even necessarily a screw up because, you know, you just – No, it, know, was, it uh, was just trying to it – was, it was assuming that things was, would go yes. one way, right? And you know what happens it's when almost you trying assume, to right? Not you make capitalize. an ass out of you and me. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Perfect way to end that. So um, overall, I think it was a, uh, you know, I was pretty satisfied with the results. You know, I like to see the spotlight on movies like Sound of Metal and and The Father and Promising the Young father. Woman. And, like, and it's everything we talked about where I'm like, if Promising Young Woman was going to win something, it was probably going to be screenplay that happened, right? Yeah, Sound but I Metal. mean, again, Carrie Mulligan was, did have an outside was, uh, shot oh, because totally, that movie yeah. has – it's it's passionate fans where again like the the movie that has that people respect more than anything else or like okay like this is a film we'll nominate because it's about hollywood is mank mank is that movie where it's like it gets nominated just because of the people that are involved not necessarily because it's 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 a great movie or it has the passion that sound of metal or promising young woman has and that's what i think with trial like trial i think mank took those awards from trial by going, if we're going to give one of these kind of, you know, movies that should quote unquote get nominated or win Oscars, then and let's then give it to film. Yeah. Let's give it to Mank rather than, than trial of Chicago seven. But like, I liked seeing sound of metal, get a couple awards. The father get a couple awards. Obviously I love nomad land as well. So that winning best picture and best director and best actress, <clears throat> super happy with, um, uh, obviously, Daniel Kaluuya's uh, wonderful. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, I think getting a shout out in couple um, costume and makeup awards, I think, is is the right spot. To I mean, Anne Roth is and the real like, winner of the night. You know, yeah, yeah. Didn't show yeah. up. Didn't need to be there. No, uh, a thousand percent. Good for um, her. 
And so, like, I think everything, you know, got its spotlight. Yes, there were some weird kind of things with cinematography and uh, documentary and obviously a couple docs that we really loved and even get nominated, which is, seems like always the case every year. Yeah, that, um, that branch is weird. It, it'll be fascinating next year because Questlove's Summer of Soul, which I saw at Sundance, and they also released a, a teaser trailer last night as he well. He was the DJ. He was the DJ. There. I wonder how that'll play out because, again, the documentary branch is so finicky and weird and it feels like that's a movie that would be a shoe in and like but it, because of his like because flat, he, he like he's not profiling. he's not a documentary filmmaker he's an outsider but also the film i think is going to be very popular and the documentary branch does not like popular documentaries yeah. except that's if why it's boys on stay didn't get, and get nominated yeah except if it's a movie about an octopus on netflix yeah um yeah, again, weird year. Uh, happy it's over with. Um, we have a little bit of a condensed Oscar year this year now because it's already, you know, almost May. And, you know, we're going to get right back into it soon. Man. Which is going to be interesting as well in terms of like the Academy hasn't announced a deadline yet. But, um, you know, is it going to be, you know, the standard, uh, you know, are they going to extend it again because of that? Or are they going to keep it to the end of December where, you know, I think they'll keep it this year. If theaters start opening up like they are and stuff like that, because it'll be a much shorter season as well when considering like what's eligible. So like the end of February was the deadline. So movies like Judas and the black Messiah, even though you could consider them, um, 2021 films, and put them on your best of list for this year. Minari as well. Minari father, even Nomadland. I mean, like, you know, but they're not they're not going to be eligible because they were released before the deadline for this year. So you're between now or like the beginning of March, whenever March, that deadline yeah. was. Which I don't to, think we had any contenders in March or April. No, right? no, like, no, no, no. I don't think so either. But but from from then till December, they've there will be contenders, even if there are more streamers stuff. Like say you know movie theaters don't completely come back. Like. The U.S. seems to be doing a lot better than we are, especially in Ontario. But I do think that, like, we will have contenders no matter what, especially with, oh, like, totally, something yeah. like Coda, I think, will will be something that... Which will probably be the people. earliest one, because that's coming in August. August. Yeah, right? Apple announced then- that recently. But again... Apple actually seems to be having a harder time than than Netflix right now in terms of breaking in. Wolfwalkers was the only thing of theirs that they picked up last year that was uh, uh, nominated and nominated only for uh, Greyhound as well. Got a sound. oh right 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 yeah. right right yeah. But Greyhound, Greyhound Sony technically Grey, yes, and yes. Like, yeah, but still so. is an Apple. It, you're totally right. No, it, but yeah. So they they are still kind of you know, in their infant stage of, of, of sort of being accepted by the Academy. Cherry didn't go anywhere, which was like, thankfully uh, <laughs> it did because that could have been a cinematography nomination. Um, yeah. You know, as much as we were complaining about Mank winning, I, I rather have Mank win than, than have Cherry just be nominated. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> that, so, I know yeah. that sounds bad. Apple, but. Apple is an interesting one. And Amazon didn't really have, much well, oh, sound, of metal. Nine, one, uh, sound of metal and one night, night in miami. miami okay yeah yeah, yeah. i'm trying to th- it's so because, many different well, well the film that they it. thought was going to be their big contender was one night in miami and then sound of metal was kind of and borat as well they had they had borat right so right right, um, right right but they thought that one night in miami was going to be their big contender and it only got nominated for three awards um, and two of which was for Leslie Odom Jr., not Daniel Kaluuya, as one of oh, right, the yeah. uh, uh, reporters backstage thought that uh, Daniel Kaluuya was Leslie Odom today, Jr. Yeah. 
yikes. Uh, but I did the like worst. their moment. Did you see? Did you see their moment uh, on the red carpet? That was maybe oh, yeah, one of the yeah. few things that I actually really Great. liked because it was like they were just having a very. Well, I think everyone was just thrilled. Like if you if you saw like I don't really love celebrity interviews, especially with um, not to say that like we're high and mighty and that we you know know more or we're better interviewers or or whatever. But like a lot of the times, it's really cringy where the interviewers I feel like haven't really even watched the movies or it feels very forced or they're asking them you know the generic kind of you know questions that you do in an award show um but you could really tell like in that pre-show and just when in that beautiful courtyard that everyone was in like i liked that laid back vibe and you could tell that people hadn't seen each other probably unless you worked on a movie with one another right like you probably hadn't seen them in a year like so it it was kind of cool to see people go oh my god it's so weird to like be in person at an event and like and 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 you know see someone and talk and like you could tell people were really enjoying that which i kind of dug as well yeah i i think that the kind of the pre-show stuff even though it is still you know i actually you, like you, that. you sent me a great tweet about it oh what, what did where, i say where you're like uh oscars pre-show is like a saw trap uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah it qualifies that was, as a saw trap and it's true it's true it, it's 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 torture to watch I mean, some people really love it because of the fashion and things like that. It's fine, whatever. Like, that's your thing. That's your thing. But like, you know, watching those in any other year, it's just, it's just a circus. And, you know, this kind of felt a little bit more laid back and a little bit more like, just kind of like a, you know, a backyard sort of party. And and I yeah. kind of dug I like that, that they a got little other bit more. actors as the interviewers, because I think the one, uh, the one woman was from in the Heights, I believe. And then you have little Howry that did the yeah. other interviews. So like, I like that more than like, you know, morning show actors or I mean, uh, uh broadcasters or something. Well, sometimes they like, do think that they are actors though, too. Um, so. where you just get like, I don't know. It just seems so forced and like, kind of like no one knows what the hell that they're talking about. And yeah. Just, if you get somebody that's that, that they're comfortable with talking with, they'll, they'll, it'll be a more candid or fun interview. And again, that goes to the Daniel Kaluuya, little Ralph Howery kind of conversation where like, you could tell like, it's just these two guys catching up, you know, and, and, and sort of just, but where was bad trip, you know, like it it qualified. So (laughs) Uh. Eric Andre just literally crashes the, uh, yeah. uh, The Oscars. But yeah, overall, I mean, like, I, I think this is probably, in terms of the work of Steven Soderbergh, uh, not the joyous event as they no, were planning no. to be. And um, it was fine. It's just, I think it kind of ended on a sour note and ended up, there were some problems. I think we talked about clip clip packages being a big part and just, um, yeah, I, I, I like this streamlined Oscars with no host and focus on the awards and less, but don't put a bit um, in like the last 20 yeah. minutes of the thing, because if you're, if you're not having a host, you really shouldn't have those comedic bits. bits. Like yeah. if you have a comedic actor coming to present and they want to do something, that's fine. But that's part of making the announcement, right? I agree. I agree completely. Don't and, don't make it like another 20 minutes to get through, especially when you're already over time. Yeah, like I'm fine that we never have like, you know, Jimmy Kimmel or whoever fucking hosting ever again. And I like these people. It's just like I don't need a bit where they go into the audience and give people pizza or a snack pack or a Lunchable or something or a Capri Sun. Or fire shirts into the uh, audience. Like I don't need that shit. And then like I get that you're trying to find ways to make this like, uh, you know, more enjoyable for, you know, the general populace and, and just having a bunch of 
you know, actors and rich people like just kind of give each other awards with and no pat themselves on the back. Yeah. With no quote unquote entertainment uh, alongside it. it. It's kind of difficult. Not everyone wants that either. Cause then that can be kind of grating and, and boring. Um, especially if you know, you're not, you haven't watched a lot of these movies, like I said, and stuff like that, but they got to figure out who this event is for, who they want to appeal to and like what, they need to do moving forward because like i'm always cool with them experimenting with different ways and i kind of liked this format for the most part and i even liked last year's format which was at the dolby theater but was more streamlined because of uh no host and things like that like i don't think they need a host ever again um um i just think that I get you do that to try and bring in a group of people going, Oh shit. X, Y, Z is, is, uh, is hosting the Oscars. So you bring in those fans or people interested in that. But, um, I don't, I don't think you ever need to do that again. And I, I'd be curious other ways that they can kind of play around with the format and, and, and do something. And I'd be curious moving forward if it moves to, you know, who will bid on the Oscars. I don't know how exactly it works um, of uh, if ABC has a contract for X amount of years or things like that, but, uh, or if it's like the Super Bowl where it like kind of moves around different networks, I'm pretty sure that's kind of how it works or no, the ABC's ABC has had the Oscars for a while, I think. Yeah. But, and I think that they have um, it for the next few years anyways. Right. So I'm intrigued, but like, uh, or I'm interested in, and I mean, Disney obviously has a ton of money and they can do a great show. So like, I'd love to see it move to streaming platforms too. I think it was on Hulu last night. Some people were saying in the U S but I mean, I think they, you should have been able to stream it on Disney plus to be honest. And, um, I know Disney plus doesn't really have a live feature yet. <laughs> Steven um, Soderbergh's first Disney plus, uh, yeah. uh film. <laughs> so I don't know, man, I'm like, uh, I thought it was, uh, I always think it's obviously our years kind of build up to TIFF then our years build up to the Oscars after that. And it's a big event for us. It's our Super Bowl. It's but it's been a long season as well, just because it's been extended. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about this now at the end of April, the final week of April, you know, going when, into May. You know, and, summer movie season supposed to be starting, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and it kind of feels like, you know, I as much as I love continuing to champion movies like Sound of Metal and Nomad Land and The Father and Minari, I'm also kind of glad to kind of, you know, close the book on this one now because it feels like this season not only being longer, but because of the pandemic has been exhausting and anxiety ridden and just it'll be nice to kind of move on and not to say that like that last year didn't mean anything because there were still great movies there, which we've already talked about in a lot of films and performances that weren't even nominated. I mean, obviously Delroy Lindo kind of not being in that acting category is still baffling to me. Um, but, you know, I think it, it will be nice now to kind of, you know, cleanse the palate and, and, and start fresh and, you know, talk about Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, but next. I also want to give a quick shout out to Clayton Davis, who, you yeah. know, finished his first year of coverage at variety. Um, he was on the broadcast last night, at least he, in the pre-shows. Yeah. Yeah. On, on uh, good morning America in the morning and, and throughout the uh, afternoon and evening at the, uh, the Dolby cinema and, and, and things like that. And um, he's one of the hardest working guys out there and loves and breathes film and the awards and knows it inside out. And, you know, like, it's just great to see someone like that really do so great well. Dude, yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, no. I met him at TIFF. Uh, you introduced me a couple yeah. of years back, but good guy. Um, Eric to wrap up um, since we are the number one or maybe number two to um, Clayton uh, Oscar pundits. <laughs> um, um, 
So, um, <laughs> sorry, I had to laugh there because, yeah. like, literally, there's probably like twelve other people that are more qualified than oh, us. Oh, there's a hundred, probably, um, or maybe not a hundred, but I think we're pretty well versed for the most well, part. We're well versed um, because of people like Clayton Davis. That's also Clayton true because we follow yeah. we follow a lot. Yeah, of those, or Nathaniel Rogers at the film experience. Like um, those those guys know what they're talking about. You know, like they again, you know, it's not just. But I think even us just being, you know, who we are and, and – Well, know, we love movies see. and part of why – We like, don't analyze maybe all of the other stuff that they and, do. Yeah. yeah. Like we just go with our gut of – like we go on a vibe or or our gut instinct or even – like when we did our prediction show, we didn't have anything prepped. We kind of just went on – and I didn't do research on, you know, what Clayton thought or what Joey thought or any of those guys thought. I just kind of went on. I've seen a lot of these movies – I know from previous years, this is kind of sometimes what happens and we kind of go off of our gut that way. At least that's what I do. Um, yeah. And, and also what's you. come before, because you can look yeah. at the precursors and be like, okay, well, you know, you take more stock on sort of like the guilds, whether it be SAG or the producers guild or something like that and see who wins there. And, you know, a lot of the uh, voters make up uh, or part of the, the, the Oscar contingent. And then, you know, like next year is going to be really interesting because yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Of next, like, if you think anything, well, right next now, year is going to be, um, in terms of categories, there's going to be 10 nominees for best picture. It, it's not right. going to be preferential ballot anymore. It's going to be, there's going to be 10 films. And it feels like, th- like this, this year was interesting because, I think Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was the film that was just on the on the cusp there because it was nominated in at least what four categories um, at least, and it kind of f- feels like that would have been the one to kind of make the be number nine. Um, I don't know what would have been ten, but um, but it'll be just another round sneak in there. Maybe like, uh, maybe uh, one night in Miami, like, yeah, one something night in like Miami, that. Yeah. Um, so. You know, like I, I made the joke online that, like, remember, you know, t- more more than ten years ago now, uh, extremely loud and incredibly close got in, and it only got two nominations: one for supporting actor for Max von Sydow, the late Max von Sydow. Oh, that's another quick thing we should quickly oh, mention. God, it's it, the yeah. in memoriam. Um, felt like it was running at one point five speed. Now, was that like, to do with anything with the twenty four frames per second that Soderbergh was was shooting maybe, at? Maybe, but like, I don't know. Weird song choice. Um, I get that they were probably like, oh shit, like people always say like we leave out, you know, too many people or whatever. So, you know, let's take 15 minutes to do the debut skit, but run like run this in memoriam with a very strange song choice at like double speed. It felt like, and like you didn't really have time to really sit on any of the people and like, it kind of just flashed in and, again, and out. No clips. Very, Cause sometimes they also have yeah. clips. So if you had clips for Cecily Tyson, or if you had clips for Christopher Plummer or Max von Sydow, like, I think that that would have been, you know, a, a lovely tribute to these, like those are big name actors. You know? Yes, that's what I mean. Usually you get like the quick flashes for, you know, so, like not saying that some people are more important than others, but like it's no, just some usually people are more get... behind the scenes and known within the industry exactly. than they like are. publicists yeah. or producers or whatever, casting like, directors, um, casting directors, which all get their due. And I think it's lovely that they're all included in this. And I think you should include as many people as you can. But yeah, it, it, having like Christopher Plummer flash so quickly by and then like have you know max von Sydow who was in this year's one too is 
as well, right? And like, it's just it felt very strange. And like, I, that was pretty much the consensus online was just like that was one of the weirdest in memoriams in recent memory too, where it was just like usually they have someone and play live uh, on stage, and then they have the like a whole three minute song right and then go through this this felt like it was just you know flew through it and like um and the song was weirdly upbeat and then weirdly changed for the last like three people and then just kind of felt like a weird transition and then ended on because it ends on chadwick boseman which again like it kind of felt like it was this narrative was building within even the in memoriam where it's like okay well we're you know the last person will be chadwick boseman and then you know it'll be even more of a very again bittersweet kind of thing when he wins best actor and then that doesn't happen yeah it's like so it was just broadcast we're done we're finished (laughs) um sorry i had a cough it tickled my throat um yeah so the in memoriam is the last thing that we uh, um we should have touched on but yeah very weird and then when it comes for next year like i'm trying to look through just to well i can so here's can i can i quickly go off on this and yeah yeah this is something we we will talk about throughout the year when we see movies that we love and think are worthy and things like that but it's interesting because you know we've talked a lot about moonlight this this show but you look at a movie like moonlight Moonlight is the perfect example of a film that comes out of nowhere and you're not expecting, you know, like we can talk about like, you know, obviously, you know, West Side Story is already positioning itself as, you know. What do you think of that that teaser? It's fine. I Here's the thing. West Side Story, I think, is, is, is a good movie, but it's like I don't think it needed to be remade. And um, as much as I do still love Steven Spielberg, you know, a lot of it is goodwill because of his earlier career, not so much of his later stuff which i don't mind him doing the lincolns and bridges of spy like i think he's earned the right to do those movies yeah i don't love them as much as his fun family you know stuff but like but if he wants to make those movies that's great this there's okay yeah there's some visual stuff that's interesting there but again like i just excluding the ansel elgort stuff which i mean that'll be that'll be a conversation onto itself when we get closer to its release late next year or this year um, but it kind of felt like, okay, the way that that trailer was being launched was because there was one year in uh, the 2008 ceremony at the end of the 2008 ceremony where they had like this sizzle reel of 2009 films that were coming out that were projected to be, you know, big blockbusters and Oscar contenders, including movies like, you know, Inglorious Bastards and even Public Enemies. But, you know, you can predict stuff in terms of like what you've seen at film festivals like Sundance or con like you know does coda have a shot in in a category does yeah, that is that a best is. picture contender for I because it's it a feel-good movie um but then also you think of like okay like looking at names like just based on on you know who's in it and who's directing yeah. it and stuff like that agree prestige like yeah i mean people. you have uh, you know a paul thomas anderson movie that's scheduled to come out at the end of december and you know we'll, we'll go wide in, in in january you have two ridley scott films that are supposed to come out this year you have paul schrader who finally got his first oscar nomination for uh first reform for screenplay has the card counter with Oscar Isaac, who is yet to be nominated for anything. And then you have weird stuff that I don't think necessarily 
will get nominated, but you never know. We're like something like Annette, which we just saw the trailer for, where that could be a very interesting thing because, again, Adam Driver is kind of on this hot streak right now as as an actor and sort of you know, everything that he's making or doing is is garnering attention. But then you also have to think, okay, well, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about, like the moonlights of the world where they could, you know, disrupt the whole system and 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 kind of be the outsider film that kind of breaks through. Um, Minari was a little bit like that this year. I mean, A24 in general, but there's always a chance that something small or something that we're just not even thinking of you know, becomes a contender. I mean, you even have the Robert Eggers movie, uh, the Northman, the Viking film, which I feel like he's also very close to becoming sort of, um, you know, a, 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 an Oscar favorite because I mean, you know, the lighthouse got a, a cinematography nomination, both the witch and the lighthouse have been lauded, you know, like Ari Aster, I think is very close as well, even though his mo- next movie right. will probably be coming out until 2022. But like you, you, you look or, or Wes Anderson, you know, the, the, the French dispatch is, is a film where it's like, you look at the films that were supposed to come out last year and you're thinking like, okay, what are the contenders there? And I think movies like the French dispatch, and West Side Story seem like on paper perfect examples of primers for what will be nominated. But then again, you can't anticipate this stuff because they do change. Who would have thought Sound of Metal would be a best picture contender, you know? Which would carry over from when yeah. we saw it at TIFF, right? Especially because it didn't release that Oscar season because you thought you would have thought they would have wanted to capitalize on that right and the good buzz which, out of there. which a film that is going to be doing that this year um for different reasons it's more strategic reasons is the there's a 9-11 movie called worth with michael keaton that netflix picked up at sundance not last year but uh the year before and they've been holding on to it specifically That's for so the, interesting. the 20th anniversary. Oh, which is this year, right? Yeah. yeah, so that makes sense. It'll probably come out in September of this year. Yeah. I'm guessing probably on 9-11 or close to it. Um that's interesting. Yeah, I'm going through, and obviously stuff we've seen, um, like like Coda, I think has a pretty good chance um, next year. I would say the Mitchells versus the Machines. The embargo's up on that. You guys can check out our review. I'd say that's probably an early contender for best animated film, probably with uh, Pixar's Luca, which is coming up um, soon as well. Uh, which we haven't obviously seen Luca, but Mitchell's versus the machines. If it's, you know, spider verse one, a couple years ago, the movie is excellent already getting rave reviews. I think it'll be a huge hit on, um, on Netflix. So I think that has a, as a huge shot um, for taking the animated one from something we've seen. Uh, I do think Coda could interesting that they're dropping it in August, but I, I do think that it probably has a good shot of, of, you know, carrying throughout you know the latter half of the year yeah my prediction and, and my prediction as well is i would love something like flea which played at sundance to make it into multiple categories um whether it be uh, animated and documentary um and international um depending on if it's selected um for for its country and depending on what country it's decided on um but even, I mean, the 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 conversation here as well is that do- a documentary has never been nominated for Best Picture, and I think that that's a conversation we'll still be having for for years to come. But that'll be interesting to see what that first documentary could be to be nominated in Best Picture. 
Yeah. Uh, you have uh, Adam McKay's, is it Don't Look Back? What's it called? Or Don't Look um, Up. Don't, yeah, something like that. Um, that cast is absolutely stacked. And, you know, McKay's done pretty well um, with his last couple of outings. Well, speaking Short of stacked cast, you also and, have the um, David O. Russell film. Yeah, which is coming this year as well, right? Yeah. Um, other than that, like, you know, the, everything that has release dates right now are, are pretty much big blockbusters. Um, How dare so, you? Fast 9 is going to win um, all the awards. Yeah. Like, it'll be really interesting with, like, obviously Marvel hasn't gotten another, you know, hasn't had an Oscar contender since Black Panther. Um I don't think the Eternals probably is that movie, but now after Chloe Zhao winning, you know, best director, best picture and um, her following it up with a Marvel movie that she shot almost like simultaneously with Nomadland. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I really don't think that it has any, I mean, we don't know anything about it. Who knows? It could be incredible and and maybe it, it, it does have a shot, um, but it's just interesting now that Marvel has, you know, uh, the pedigree of those wins leading right into a movie, right? Like she's the first MCU director to kind of, you know, win a best directing award right. and, and things like that. So, well, and now um, anything that she does will be put into that conversation, no matter what. It's the same thing with Barry Jenkins. Like Barry Jenkins was right. an outsider, but like, even though like the Lion King prequel or whatever, it's not going to get nominated for awards, but there will still be a conversation. But you never know. <laughs> there will still be a conversation there because it's, you know, like it's. They've proven themselves. Yeah, so exactly. Like, you know. So your ex- the expectations are higher than they would be for, you know, uh, Joe Schmo directing, um, you know, some Marvel or like Peyton Reed directing a Marvel movie or, um you know, even John Favreau to an extent directing the first Lion King, like Louis Leterrier um, <laughs> directing the incredible. Oh God. Hole. Yeah. 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 And I'm trying to go through to see if there's anything. Oh, Encanto was the other Disney animated movie that I was thinking of when we couldn't think on our last, uh, show of the other, uh, animated one from, um, from Disney. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting, you know, uh, quick, season this year because before we know it man like we're hitting may april uh sorry may june july august and then it's tiff baby we got four months (laughs) Um, (laughs) jesus i mean hot dogs in canada is already is already full force yeah so it's like you know usually when hot dogs comes around it's usually a marker for like oh we're halfway through the year in terms of uh uh, We're supposed to be – we should have been having cans soon, right? Yeah, but that's like, going to be in July uh, now, apparently. Yeah. I, I still am uh, – I think that's wishful thinking, to be honest. Right. I, at, I mean, at least yeah. if they don't want to adopt, you know, to an online platform the way that, you know, TIFF and other fall festivals and, and even, you know, Sundance and Tribeca have been doing because they want that to be in person and, and, and you know, uh, film critics and – crew and, and cast to travel to camp yeah so and then like tribeca is doing an in-person but their p and i is digital which i feel like a lot of festivals will probably do moving forward at least for the time being and at i could least even for see this that. year as well again i right? could even see that moving forward though like if they find a way where they're like you know what? We don't need to have everyone flying into, but I feel like they'll still want that because it boosts the economy. It kind of, 
you know, I, I still think that also they have to deal with um, the agencies and the studios that might be apprehensive. Um, yeah, to oh, have too. their films pr- uh, be available online, where like you know they were able to get some of those movies because one they didn't have um, distribution. You know, they were they were either owned by the agency or the filmmaker, but um, you know people were a little bit more willing to give that wiggle room there because of the pandemic. So, you know, when everything does, whatever the normal is afterwards, I think that people will be like, okay, well, you know, we can have this in person now. We don't, well, need I just to do thought, cause there's a level of trust with press and maybe you've built that over the last year of, I'd be curious to see the stats on how many of these films leaked, how many of them, you know, uh, got pirated online and things like that from festivals or, or from press because all of our press screeners have been, you know, online that like, if, if, you know, if we didn't really see much of that, then I could see the, the studios moving forward being like, well, we don't necessarily, it it, it might be cheaper for us to just, you know, send you guys all screeners because you've proven that, you know, but every year, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, Oscar well, there will still always be those like, Almanites of the world, yeah. right? Where it's like, no, this right. has you have to either That's see true. this in theater yeah. or we'll do very limited press. And don't get me wrong, I, I mean, that movie see was nominated for twelve Oscars, right? Oh yeah, I want to see stuff in theaters. Don't get me wrong, but um, but I like the accessibility of some of these festivals. Like, we might we're going to apply to Tribeca. I have no idea if we'll get in or whatever. Um, but, uh, we're only able to cover that festival because of this, right? Because the, same the thing P&I with version, right? yeah, because of the PNIs being digital, um, like Eric and I can't afford, you know, to go to every film festival. I would love to, uh, don't get me wrong. Would I, I would love Mountain to go to Cannes and like, sponsor yeah, us. <laughs> sponsor us. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited, man. You know, another season's done, but I'm excited for the one coming up. And um, it, it's weird because, like, you know, there's all these messages about theaters opening back up, and the U.S. is basically uh, being kind of assholes by just being like, "Well, the pandemic's over. We're all vaccinated. Oh, we're opening everything up." And you're like, "Okay, that's not how it is everywhere." So thanks, but um, it's definitely still going. Um, but the summer movie season seems to be um, on its way. Um, Whatever that will look and, like this year, which will be very interesting, I, especially in Ontario, because that's what I mean. In thinking, the U.S., it looks like they're you know they're moving full force ahead, yeah. man. Like, Vin Diesel sent out that message yesterday. We're ready to yeah. go back to the theaters, baby. Um, I'm like, sure, man, I am too, but Ontario is not. Yeah, we. I mean, neither of us have even gotten our first uh, dose yet, so you know. Yep, it'd be nice to get I'm, that soon. Yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then who knows when we'll even get the second one. But I am and grateful like, that just, both all, all my all parents, parents and yeah. grandparents uh, have because yeah. – um, Well, my grandparents are dead. but Right. Yeah. They don't have to worry <laughs> about this anymore. It's bullshit. Uh, um, but yeah, like I, I am – there is a certain amount of relief there, I guess. I agree. Yeah. My my mom and, and, and dad got, got it a couple weeks ago. Nevis, his parents got their first dose a couple weeks ago. Um. So I'm very glad uh, about that. But, you know, second doses are postponed here as well, right? So it's not like in the U.S. where 30 days later you or 21 days later you go and get your second dose if you got, you know, anything but the J&J. But um, I don't know, man. Like it's – I'm hoping – I'm – God, it feels so long ago when we saw Tenet and uh, and New Mutants. And even then it was kind of a, you know – a neutered experience uh, going in and, and yes, the cases were ironically 
pretty good here, almost zero. Um, and then we sat in the theater with our masks on and watched those movies, but it's still really been since onward last February, right? That was the last movie I saw. And and for you, it was bloodshot, right? Yeah. Bloodshot was the last promo, like public screening that I went to. And then the last critic screening was never rarely, sometimes always. And then before that, I was really lucky to see promising young woman uh, really early. One of the few people to see that in a theater that didn't go to Sundance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, cause again, the reason why they screened that so early is because they were going to do press. They were going to bring, and we it. just missed out on Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah, and Mulan. Mulan as yeah. well was was we we was got screening. screener invites yeah. for yeah. for Mulan at that point, and uh, and then it got canceled. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then um, Quiet Place, we were probably going to see it the next the week after, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Now this is this is maybe an interesting note to end on. Um, and we talked about it, I think on our uh, our last show or, or recently, a Quiet Place. Part two is still scheduled to open at the end of May. Paramount made a huge shift in terms of, you know, their releases. So they're, I mean, at least in the US, they're expecting that film to come out. Whether or not it does here in Canada, uh, that's a whole other story, whether it becomes a streamer here or something. I think we're going to be shit out of luck, dude. Like, I think what's going to, we might be able to screen it if, uh, you know, through, you know, press through Paramount or something like that, maybe, but. Um, but we'll probably have to like hold on to the the reviews or bank right. everything until like it gets released or it just or comes out. Or they might on be like, "Oh, you POV. guys, you know, our, our podcast is accessible in the U.S. We have a lot of U.S. listeners and stuff yeah. too." That that it might make sense to still do a review, and that's how we might be able to pitch it. But like, uh, I might I don't know if it goes VOD here. Like, I think it it just might go. Well, it'll come out here when your theaters are open, like, right? Or, or when it comes out places, on on Blu-ray and, on, and 4K, yes, you we'll can just, you can watch it. Yeah, yeah. where or wherever theaters are <laughs> where wherever theaters are open in Canada, it will play in theaters. So we're heading out to BC, right? <laughs> like it's I don't know, dude. I've been wanting to get out of Ontario for a while, thinking about all of this stuff. But well, my um, brother Kyle is he's yeah. he's leaving soon for a job, and um, I'm, I'm really happy jealous. for him. But I'm also yeah, same, yeah. sad because you know same, yeah. I mean, won't it's, be around. So I know it's uh, that stuff's tough. But Nevis and I have been thinking about all that stuff too, of like wanting to maybe you know try somewhere else for a little while but wait um, Doug Ford isn't selling you on uh, Ontario to discover no No, yours to discover a way out of here Um, yeah man so I have no idea like we're coming up in May there are some big releases in May coming Um, yeah some of them have been announced for streaming like Cruella and and you know things like that but um that we'll be able to have access to you know the Warner Brothers stuff those who wish me dead and and um there's something else in May from Warner, I think. Or I'm going to look at well, we have Cruella as well, which is the end of uh, April through Disney. But I'm going to look up the uh, list now because I do have it. So let's see here. <laughs> Nevis just sent me a tweet. Oh, Spiral! Um, your your movie comes out in May. Oh as well. shit! Yeah, what's going to happen with that? Right, like Mongrel's releasing it here. We I got I, I saw that on their uh, Instagram page. I think. Yep. Um. So what's going to happen with that? Like if it's getting a U.S. theatrical release, because that seems like it's still the plan. Like that's in a couple weeks, right? Or a month yep. or something. Uh, like, May 14th, I think. Yeah. And we're at what? The 20? Oh God. Yeah. Like it's like two weeks away, three weeks away. So like. I, Am I, I dreading it? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm so excited, but like I, uh, 
I, I don't know. I love this tweet that Nevis just sent me, which was a Nathan Fielder picture. And it goes, the plan campaign, a fake Pinocchio movie. And the oh, yeah, of getting I, an I, Oscar I retweeted that. Yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Hilarious. Uh, so good. Um, it's, uh, yeah, like I have no idea what May looks like here, right? Because from what I expect based on, you know, the few movies that like Chaos Walking or what else got delayed here and we didn't get until much later. Well, but- we still haven't gotten, not that like I'm like chomping at the bit for it, but we didn't get Voyeurs, which was yeah. a film that that is available in the US. And, you know, I'm sure E1 maybe will pick it up or it's, I think it's Lionsgate in the US, so it could be Mongrel, but that will probably be something that either pops up at a later date on a streaming service or E1 decides to pick up last minute like they did with Chaos Walking. So- Um, Yeah, like the rest of this month, you know, we're going to probably like you got things heard and seen, which is Netflix. You have Mitchell's versus the machines, which is Netflix. You have without remorse, which is Amazon. Um, uh, You got you got a ton of Netflix stuff. You have army of the dead oxygen, the woman in the window. What's happening with wrath of man here, right? That's a good question because that's a VVS films in Canada. Um, and then VVS also has Zola, which is supposed to come out in June. Yeah. Um, but even the May stuff, like, yeah, you got mainstream, which could be a VOD movie. It is. That, that, that is. That's sense. IFC. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then Woman in the Window got to Netflix, Those Who Wish Me Dead, which will go VOD because of the uh, Warner Brothers thing. They've at least have a... Because those are on HBO Max, is that the reason why they're premium VOD here? Um, and then Spiral, I have no idea what will happen with that. Army of the Dead, obviously. And then, yeah, Quiet Place is the the other big one. That's the same day as Cruella, but we know we'll get Cruella here because it's on Disney+. Plus. So, um, yeah, yeah man, be I have- a premium have, one, though, is what we should, we should specify with Cruella, that it's a premium VOD. Yeah, the $34 or something here, which is like- For a movie that's two uh, hours and what? Like, you sent me the runtime? 13 minutes. <laughs> 13 minutes. Um, I was bummed I had to pay 26 bucks for Mortal Kombat, but I mean, um, I totally get it now. When people were Worth like- Worth every oh, dollar, right? <laughs> uh, well, go check out our review. I think this is a perfect place to end it. I'm, I'm really curious where- a quiet place uh, part two lands because uh, I'm very excited for it. I loved the first film and it's such a, it was such a great experience in the theater. Right. Um, I remember going to see that at York. Was it Yorkdale or forget where Nevis or Eglinton? Yeah, we were at Eglinton young and Eglinton and went to go see that. Uh, Cause I didn't go see a screener or anything. And um, it was, uh, I was, it was packed. It was like a afternoon screening and um, on the day it came out and everyone was just, literally so respectful the most respectful like packed audience i've had in a really long time and i think that's a testament to the film because everyone was so into it and engaged so I, by I, it yeah so like a great movie that i would have loved to see in a theater but um doesn't look like we're going to unless it just gets pushed and pushed here until it, it's able to come out but we'll see um i mean i'm just anyways, hoping that space jam and uh, new legacy will be able to watch that uh i don't need to see that in a theater yeah no. if anything I mean, that kids looks movies, like a let me, movie let me watch kids movies at home so i don't have to feel weird going to see them exactly like, i don't want to feel like a super creep yeah yeah Anyways, perfect time to end it. Uh, Thank you all for listening to our Oscars and I guess 2021 preview. Um, Eric, uh, until next year, uh, tell me what you think will win Best Picture. Go. Next year? Oh, F9. 
Yeah, thank you. Good choice. Um, if you guys like this, we have uh, some other podcasts we would love for you guys to go check out. Uh, Untitled Movie Reviews, you can check out our review of the aforementioned Mitchells versus the Machines, uh, as well as what the hell else have we reviewed lately, Eric? Well, we've got uh, versus films. So we have Mortal Kombat, uh, which you can go check right. out now. We also have Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, we will be have we will uh be uh throwing up reviews for Without Remorse, uh coming up soon. I'm just looking at everything that I've reviewed in the last little while. Uh, Stowaway. We have Chaos Walking. Chaos Walking. Uh, the Unholy, which is which was our 200th uh, review. <laughs> uh, if you want to remember that gem. Um, but we also have a lot of awards films that we've covered. You know, we have reviews yeah. for Nomad Land, yeah, The Father. Yeah. Trial the Chicago Seven, all, all, all eight, eight best picture nominees. Yeah. You guys can go back and check out our reviews for them on Untitled Movie Reviews. They're up there. Some are during TIFF, some are just scattered about. So you can just search for them on your podcast service of choice. Please drop us a review if you would be so kind on our reviews channel. That's where we're trying to get the most uh, you know uptick in user reviews over there. Uh, follow us on all of those social medias at Untitled underscore Cast. And as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly right here at UntitledMoviePodcast.com, and you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Martian. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Coming soon. My Octopus Mank 2022.